Well, good morning. Uh, sorry we don't have the same audience we did last week, but hey, we'll take them whenever we can get them. Glad you're here, every one of you, and hope and pray that you'll be blessed today by being here. I was impressed with the, these, all of these young folks. Now, I'm not talking about the song leader. He's not the caliber of young folks anymore, but all these young folks and the good job they did, we thank them. God bless you for participating. That'll stand you in good stead the rest of your life. Of course, I kind of like the song leader too. Might have something to do with the fact that he's my eldest son. And uh, I thought the singing was good. It always is here. I'm glad to be here today to bring a lesson to you. I hope it will be profitable to all of us. <clears throat> I don't know if you know Hank's name. Hank Hyatt is the song leader. His name is Ray Henry Hyatt Jr. I'm senior. And he has a son, and his name is Ray Henry Hyatt III. Looks like it may be petering out after that. I don't know. It could dwindling out. But we, at least we got three of them there. Proud of uh, all of my children. Uh, today I had indicated we was going to discuss a little thing I've been kicking around in my mind. And that is our favorite game. Now, here in the good old U.S. of A., we're into sports of all kinds and games. My goodness, we are involved in football, basketball, golf, tennis, uh, you name it. Just all everything in the world. We watch it. We participate in it. A lot of you people, I'm sure have participated in some sort of sport in your life. It may be on just a casual basis, amateur basis, maybe even a professional basis. Uh, I know you take old Lou Estes here. Of course, I don't have to tell you what sport he was involved in. He was, of course, a basketball star. Or I think Jimmy Anderson played baseball and basketball. Byron Knopf, he, I mean, Byron Martin, he was a great golf man. And uh, Colin Harris, football, baseball, Evan Boudreaux, football, just to name a few here that I, I, I know. My, many of you, why our song leader was a star football player in high school. And I had to go out, close the store at six, and hurry to get out there to see his game here right quick. And watched him. All kinds of things we're interested in, even fishing. Now, one particular little lady participates in a sport that you don't hear too much about. And she's pretty much involved in it, and not only that, but she's a good-looking little thing with curly blonde hair, Ada Sims. She is shooting skeet as a sport and involved in it. Competition. That's great. We like sports. That's good. Good, clean stuff. 
But I'm not talking about any of those at all. I'm talking about one that all of us participates in. We start early. We get better at it as the longer we live. And we participated in, in it all of our life. And it's called the blame game. It started way back in the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, we read about God creating the heavens and the earth and all the things that are therein. In six days, He created, it's beyond our wildest comprehension. We can't grasp it. All of this gorgeous universe and it's, the world itself, all of its animals and plants and trees and weather and stars and every, everything. It's, we can't imagine it. And then at the end, he saw that it was good, but it wasn't very good until he created man in his own image. Male and female created he them. And he made them perfect. And he made a perfect garden for them, the Garden of Eden, and placed them in it. And told them that uh, you can freely eat of any tree in the garden. Just take fruit. You don't have to sweat to do it or work. And there's no insects biting you. Everything is perfect in this world. Live and enjoy it. Live forever because there's no death, no illness, no sickness. Everything is perfect in a perfect world. What a and don't you know that Adam was a good looking man? And don't you know that Eve was a good looking woman? And they were so happy and just living there, and the devil just couldn't stand it. And so he slipped up to Eve one day. Let, let me turn over there in my Bible and maybe, maybe we ought to read that directly. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of all the fruit of the trees in the garden. It was so easy just to go pluck a fruit off of any tree in the garden. Easy, simple life, beautiful. Everything was perfect. But she says of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave unto her husband with her, and he did eat. 
first time sin entered into the world, disobedient to God's clear instructions, into a perfect world. Prior to that, everything was absolutely perfect. And lo and behold, because of this temptation of the devil, Eve fell. Well, the next day, listen, and they heard the voice of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. God had been walking and talking with them, a personal, close relationship with his children, as it were. And now they hear him and they were afraid. And they hid themselves and God called out, Adam, where are you? And he said, here I am, I hid because I was afraid. Why are you afraid? Have you eaten of the tree that I told you not to eat of? Now listen to Adam. I don't know where he learned it. I don't know how he was so quick at it. Does it, is it born naturally into us? Because Adam, of course, God went to Adam first. Adam was created first. So he went to Adam. What have you done? Did you eat of the tree I told you not to? Well, yes, Lord, we did. But, listen to the blame game. The woman that you gave me, gave me to eat. And so we find the introduction of the most common game. Blame it on them, don't blame it on me. Blame it on that black bird in the coconut tree. We call it passing the buck. And Adam started it. And listen how he started it. First, Eve made me do it. And Lord, you the one that created Eve and gave her to me. Even blaming God for it. Well, let's go a little bit further in that same situation there. When he came to uh, Eve, what did she say? Well, she says, uh, I was, uh, it was good for food and pleasant to the eyes and desired to make one wise. She says, everything, I don't know why you didn't give it to us to begin with. Got to argue with God about it. Passing the buck. Blaming somebody else. You know, this was the beginning of all the bad stuff that's in this world right there. When they fell there in the Garden of Eden, everything else from there on, all of the bad things, pains, uh, 
all kind of things that happen to us physically, mentally, uh, morally, spiritually, anyway, it's all gonna, coming up from that very one thing. And they're, they're trying to pass it off when Adam and Eve were directly responsible. Of course, Eve, you know the devil came to Eve first. He saw her as the weaker vessel and beguiled her and kind of fooled her into eating it, and she sinned. But Ken, when she came to Adam, what does the Bible say when she came to Adam? And she took of the fruit and did eat and gave to her husband and he ate. She didn't have to do nothing but Adam. That woman was so good looking and Adam was so immersed in her when she said, Adam, dear, eat some of this fruit. Yes, dear. But it, that's where all of our trouble started in this whole world. The beginning of everything evil in this world started at that one moment. There's an old song we used to say, Baby, let me blame it on you. Y'all heard that old song? That was a long time ago, but that was a real song. It had several verses to it, but it was, and it certainly has a lot of truth in it. All down through history, we want to blame somebody else. You remember when uh, Egypt was down in Egyptian, I mean, uh, the Israelites were down in Egyptian bondage, and God decided to bring them out of bondage. They were his chosen people. He sent Moses, led them out of Egypt, led them over here, across the Red Sea where much of the Egyptian army was drowned, led them to the foot of Mount Sinai, and they've camped there for a period of time. And God told Moses, you come up into the mountain and I'm going to give you a law, write it in tables of stone for you to live and guide these people by. Moses went up into the mountain and he was gone a pretty good while. Several days, 30, 40 days he was up there. And while he was gone, the people got a little bit fidgety. He left Aaron in charge of him, his brother. He said, now you look after all of these three million people while I've gone up in the mountain getting instructions from God. And they became a little bit fidgety. Hey, when's Moses coming back? Where'd he go? What's he doing? What's happening? And they decided, Aaron, what? tell us where we, we were lost here. We're sitting near camp. We've waited. and We don't know what happened to Moses. He may be gone. Make us some gods that can lead us somewhere. We're in the wilderness at the foot of a mountain it's a wilderness out here. Help us do something, Aaron. And they said, make us some gods that we can worship. We don't know what happened to Moses and this God that he's talking about. And so Aaron said, break off your earrings and all of your golden ornaments and bring it to me. And he brought it to them and he fashioned it into a golden calf and set it up. And the Israelites, now these are the people that had seen all of the 
the miracles in Egypt, had seen the opening of the Red Sea, had seen the swallowing up of Pharaoh's armies, and all of these things from the hand of God. Here they are bowing down, worshiping an idol of gold. Here comes Moses, about the time this is really getting in his full swing, down from the, the top of the mountain. And he had in his arms the tables of stone in which the finger of God on the mountain had written the Ten Commandments. And he came down and he says, Aaron, what is uh, here is all this music and revelry going on and feasting and dancing and worshiping what, what's happened? And Aaron told him, and Moses got so incensed that he threw those tables of stone down and broke them. The ones written by the hand of God. Aaron, why did you let this happen? The people caused me to do it. Passing the book, playing the blame game. Well, Aaron, what about this golden calf? Let's see how Aaron gets out of that. Listen, I can nearly quote the verse. As he said in Exodus chapter 32, verse 24, he said, I told the women to bring me their earrings and their golden ornaments. And I took it, now listen to what Aaron says, I threw it in the fire and bloop, out popped a golden calf. I'd laugh more except sounds like some of the excuses and things we offer trying to pass the buck to somebody else. It ain't my fault, lords. It's somebody else's fault. I've got, or I had three sons. My middle son died about a year, year and a half ago. Good, good kids, generally. They got into things, some. I'm going to tell you about one of them. I ain't going to tell you which one it was. I was at home asleep, my wife. It was a Friday night, and uh, this one particular son had said he wanted to spend the night with one of his friends. I said, okay, I knew the people. They were good people. About 12 o'clock, I had a telephone call. Miss Tide, yes, sir. We need you to come up here to the De Quincey Middle School. Hey, what's going on? It's midnight, for goodness sakes. I got to work in the morning. I was running a grocery store. He said, no, we need you to come up here pretty quick. So I said, okay. So I told my wife, I've got to go up there. Something's going on. I don't know what it is. I, all of a sudden, some, a little light bulb went on in my mind. Remember, I got three boys. I got up there to the middle school and showed us there were several other cars there because there was several other parents, daddies, 
and several other boys. And it just so happened that my son that had gone to spend the night with his friend, some of their friends came by and said, hey, get up and let's ride bicycles. It's in the middle of the night, for goodness sakes, teenage boys. What, what can we do? I wish we could find something to eat. I know where we get something to eat. I know how to get in the middle school. We'll go over there and just slip something out of their cafeteria. So they broke a window or a lock or something and got in the middle school, went in there, and they was eating, hunting around the cafeteria, something to eat. Bunch of crazy teenage boys. And lo and behold, they run across all of these eggs that they was going to cook. Eggs come in a crate about that big, about that many, about 14 dozen eggs in a carton of them. I don't know if you've ever seen them, but I have. See, I'd get them that way in the store. Well, look at the eggs. One of them got one out, maybe busted it on the and what, he threw it on the wall. Whoa, that was fun. And they started getting these eggs, throwing them all over the cafeteria. Walls everywhere. Down the halls. Walls everywhere. In a, one or two classrooms. What fun we're having. Well, along about that time, anyway, the cops gathered the parents up and the boys up. What were we going to do? They didn't want to take these teenage boys to jail where they probably needed to. But they said, I tell you what we'll do. If you all of you parents, the ones that are here, the men, it was all men up there. If y'all will, with the kids, get busy and clean all of this up starting now. This was about one o'clock by then in the morning. And you've got till in the morning or whatever part of the morning you want in the morning on Saturday, if you'll clean it all up, wash it, wipe it, make it look just like new, we'll just overlook this. Well, we all started one o'clock in the morning and me, I got to work the next day all day, 12 hours at the grocery store. So here me and my boy scraping eggs off of the wall. Son, why did you do this? Well, Father, those old boys that I was running around with caused me to do this. Passing that book. Guess who he learned that from? Me, probably. <laughs> We're all pretty good at it, if you'll admit it. It's just, just something that happened. Saul, you remember Saul, King Saul? He started out pretty good, and then he went bad. But anyway, God came to him, the Nathan, the, the great prophet of God, came to him and said, Saul, God has told me to tell you to go down to this certain city, down to the land of the Amalekites, and destroy everyone in that city, man, woman, child, every animal that breathes air, kill them all. 
the instructions were very, very plain. You can read that in 1 Samuel 15, chapter 3. Everything that breathed air, he wanted dead because they had done the Israelites bad. So King Saul went down there with his armies and he killed all the people. Well, he did save the king. He thought it'd be a, a great victory sign if he brought him back alive. And he saved, man, some of these cattle were fine and fat and the lambs were sleek and pretty. And they were so, in such a way, he saved a few of the choice animals. But when I get back, I'm going to offer them as a sacrifice to God. And here he comes back. When he gets on, just before he gets back to his home city, Nathan the prophet meets him. Nathan said, Saul, did you do what God said? He said, yep, I have done what God said, but I did save the old king. Here he is. And a few choice animals just to offer as a sacrifice. Oh, the prophet said, he could hear the bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of the oxen. It was more than a few. Why did you do this, Saul? The people talked me into it, my soldiers. Why is it? Blame game don't work with God. Jesus in Matthew chapter 25 told us about a man the parable of the talents. You remember, he, to one man he gave five talents, to one man he gave two talents, to one man he gave one talent. And the one with five took his talents and made five more. And the one with two made two more. And the one with one, he got scared and buried it. And then when the master come back, all right, Mr. Five, I've got five more. Good, you're a good and faithful servant. How about you, Mr. Two? I got two more. Good, you're a good and faithful servant. How about you, Mr. One, that's just got one? Oh, I was afraid and I hid mine in the ground because you are a hard master. See, it's all your fault, master. You was going to eat me up if I didn't have it to, to give back to you. See, blaming the master. Jesus gave us that parable. Why did he give it to us? He wanted us to take individual responsibility and not try to pass it on. This poor man that was scared said, Oh, you're a hard man and you reap where you did not sow and you gather uh, that you did not straw. Too hard, too strict, too time consuming. We hear it all the time. I guess we'll hear it at the judgment. I guess Jesus will look at us. Why aren't you a Christian? Well, I my wife to blame, my husband to blame. I didn't have time. I had to work. I had too hard. 
I wonder if we're going to be able to look Jesus in the eye with these pitiful little excuses that we've learned in this miserable game. You hear it today. Why aren't you a Christian? Well, I'm no young. When I get a little older, when I get mature, I'm going to do it one of these days, sure. I, I, when I get good enough, I can't hold out. I can't be good person. I, I'm, I'm not one of these guys for this organized religion. I understand all that. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. He knows when I get older, when I can settle down, when I've got more time, when I can make up my mind. Folks, these are fig leaves. They won't hide your nakedness any more than the fig leaves hide the nakedness of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. What you're really saying is you're saying to God, no. He'd be happier if you just said, no. I'm not interested in Christianity. Then offering all of these kinds of excuses. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 2 says, Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. If you hear His voice, harden not your heart. God surely gets sick at when I have more time, when I can settle down, when I can make up my mind. Someday, oh, I've got to where I nearly hate that word. That's a word that we use way too much. Someday when I can settle down. Someday when I think I can live the Christian life. Someday when I get my children raised. Someday. No. Someday never comes. And though it's a very popular day, I, I, I wish we didn't even have a someday sometimes. Let me tell you this. Sometimes when you got time, sit down and read the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a book of conversions. The book of Acts tells about after Jesus left and told his apostles to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's, it tells about their life as they went into all the world and preached the gospel to every creature. But what, what I want you to think about today, look at how many People were converted at the first time they heard the gospel. We preach as hard as we can. We plead and we beg and we do everything we can to reach people. You need Jesus Christ. He's your only hope in this lost and dying world. And we do everything in the world we can. Months, weeks, years. Read Acts. On the day of Pentecost, when the first gospel sermon was preached in its entirety, and these Jews who basically knew for the most part, remember they were pilgrims in for the big feast days. They didn't know that much about Jesus. 
Some of them no doubt did by John's preaching and so on and so forth, but many of them did not. And this is the first time many of them are hearing the gospel. Some of them had cried away with them, letting me crucified. And Peter stood up and preached to them, and he said unto them, You with wicked hands have crucified the Lord of glory. But he preached unto him the gospel of Jesus Christ for the first time. Repentance and remission of sins. First time it's being preached. And when the invitation was offered, 3,000 of them obeyed the gospel and became Christians. Why don't we see that anymore today? And if you've been sitting there on that bench thinking about someday you're going to be a Christian, better think hard. Why, Paul, he went to a place, Philippi, got in trouble, thrown in jail. He had a pagan jailer. I don't even know if the man had ever heard of Christ. From the subsequent things that happened, it's in, indicative that he did not even know about Jesus Christ. But when Paul, the jailer, jails were opened by a miracle and he came out and this jailer says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He saw miracles. He said, first time. And Paul said unto him, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and I shall be saved. And then he had to tell him about Jesus, who he was. He preached unto him Jesus. And then that same night he said, Hey. And he and all of his house were baptized. What are we missing here in this world? I tell you what we've got. We've all got too bad a dose of the this disease right here passing the book. The eunuch. Some man from down in Africa riding along reading Isaiah didn't even have the New Testament. Philip, an evangelist, said, do you understand what you read? How can I accept someone should guide me? He began at the same scriptures, preached unto him Jesus. As they went on their way, they came to a certain water and you said, whoa, what doth hinder me to be baptized? Commanded the chariot to stand still. They both went down to the water. He baptized him. He came up out of the water. A Christian? First time he heard the gospel? And he went on his way rejoicing. Incidentally, some of the oldest Christians in the world are in Ethiopia. They think, perhaps, they might and route it back all the way to that Ethiopian eunuch. You look through the book of Acts sometimes and read it. When people really heard about Jesus and what he's done, it pricked in their hearts. They turned, they repent of their sins and are baptized for the remission of their sins and they become Christians. 
There's an old preacher one time that used to tell me this. I got to quit. I'm about to quit. Don't get excited. He said this. Every man has a right to hear the gospel once more than any man has the right to hear it twice. Now that didn't come out of the Bible. That's just from an old man's lips. But it makes lots of sense if you think about it. Read the little book of Haggai sometimes. Let me see if I can turn over there and read that. This I, I can't, I don't think I can quote that. Here it is. The book of Haggai is an interesting little book. Got two chapters, don't have but 38 verses in two chapters. So it's easy to read. You can say, I read the whole book of Haggai tonight. Hey, good for you. But he was talking to them there that you have sown much, you bring in little, you don't have enough, you drink, you're not filled, you put clothes on, but you're not warm, and you earn wages, and your wages go into a bag with holes in it. You know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like the good old U.S. of A. in lots of ways. I read the paper here the other day that we've passed the tipping point. Now we are more than 50% non-religion in our country. Well, hooray for us. This country that was founded on religious principles. We are going in the wrong direction in a hurry. I tell you what I see. I look and I see a picture of spiritual poverty of a country with empty lives, hungry, thirsty, poor, naked, unfulfilled, lonely, without goals, dissatisfied, just resigned to getting through it sort of any way we can. And all of us happily playing that great sport we call the blame game. Blame nature, blame God, blame the devil, blame other nations. Blame the blackbird in the tree. It don't matter. Blame somebody else. There may be some people in this world who have never heard the gospel. I'm sure there is. Or have never ever seen a Christian. Have never put their hands on a Bible. Or have never heard about Jesus Christ. Maybe in the far reaches of India or Africa somewhere. Or people like that. And maybe when that day comes and we stand before the judge, maybe the Lord will cut them a little slack. I don't know. I'm not trying. That's beyond me. But let me tell you this. Ones that are here today, we can't expect any slack. We've had every opportunity in the world from the day of our birth, practically. Mercy and grace has been multiplied. We are without excuse. Let me please ask you this. Learn to say these things. I'm wrong. It's my fault. Help me. That's what God wants to hear. Oh, the minute he can hear that, he'll move mountains to save you. 
cast away these crazy fig leaves that we bring and roll about ourselves. Pride, delay, procrastination. You have to come to Jesus just as you are without one plea. We can help you become a Christian. We can pray for you as a Christian. If we can help you in any way, won't you come up together with Stan and what we sing?